All right, this morning we are making our way to the Advent season, but we are first looking at things that try to steal our light and leave us in darkness. They try to steal our hope, which is found in Jesus. So before we dive into today's message, which last week we talked about unforgiveness, and this week we're going to dive into pride. So before we dive in, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear gracious and merciful Lord, we come to you with humbled hearts on bended knee. Lord, you call us to forgive the inexcusable, but you forgave the inexcusable in each of us. Lord, for so long we have we've kept you out of areas in our lives where, where we've allowed unforgiveness and pride to dwell. Lord, you know we're sinners and we can't prune those areas of our lives on our own. So we stand here in your presence. We ask you to prune those areas because you sent your son to die for us and yet we keep stepping back into those areas. Lord, may your mercy flow over each of us. May it cover our faults and our failures and our fears. And may it raise us up to be the warriors that you created us to be. Lord, we ask that you just saturate our minds and our emotions and our actions and guide us through this journey, through this journey to eternity. Help us be the creatures that you created us to be so that all glory points back to you. We ask all things in the precious and holy name of your Son. Amen. Amen. You know, we ask for healing in many of the areas. We ask for grace. We ask for forgiveness. We ask for God to wash our hearts. And the first thing we do is we sit down at a table that Jesus has been flipping. So as a church, when I say church, I mean universal, not just Asheville. But as a body of believers, we're real good at throwing scripture around. And I mean literally throw. Sometimes it's laced with hellfire and brimstone. And sometimes the scripture we're throwing around really needs to be thrown at us. We quote scripture... And y'all, I just came back from Memphis from seminary, so there's a lot of ammo that you get up there, and you're writing down little quirky sayings because their sermon's waiting to happen. And y'all are going to hear one today. Because I sit at a table of guys that's, their mind works just like mine, and I'm like, so repeat that. That's a sermon right there. Hold on. Let me write that down. But we quote scripture at the drop of a hat, and it might sound something like this. Well, you know, in the beginning, God created and then our motive slips in. Or, for God so loved the world that he and our motive slips in. One of the ones that we all know, well, let me tell you, pride comes before, and usually somebody goes, the fall. But the shortest verses are always the best. You can ask any youth, what is your favorite verse? And I can't tell you how many times I've heard, Jesus wept. <laughs> But to be honest, I've had somebody tell me before how I was supposed to act as a believer according to Scripture. Now, that person doesn't follow Scripture. That person is not active in church anywhere. But they can tell you how their great-grandparents built the church down on so-and-so road and their whole family does so-and-so, but not them. And I'm not going to lie to you. Y'all know me. I'm a little quirky. My response was not the best. But it was, yeah, and Jesus flipped tables, so get ready. Amen. 
about that time is when the Holy Spirit looks at me and goes, just shut up, you're making this worse. Well, we've all met and been that high and mighty righteous person. And I know how I received the word. Jesus flipped tables. Let me tell you, I was acting a fool. I was trying to share with somebody. They weren't hearing it. And I was getting more and more righteous. And the Holy Spirit whispered deep in my soul, Jesus flips tables and I'm about to flip yours. And I sat down and shut up. You're making this worse. It was the Holy Spirit telling me he was about to sit me down. And let's be honest, love is patient. Love is kind. And we know the rest of that verse. But I'm going to tell you my experience with the Holy Spirit. Love will kick your feet out from under you and sit you down when you are not representing the kingdom. Go. Glory to God for that, right? Amen. Now, here's some issues with this. The issues with spouting scripture is we don't know the book or the chapter these words come out of. We don't know what was said before it. We don't know what was said after it. We don't know the context. And to be honest, half the time we don't even get the words right. We just kind of make it our own. But in those moments, it makes us no different than a false teacher, false prophet, a Pharisee. And the enemy is a master of twisting the scripture. We are no different than the enemy. But can I be honest? Pride does not always come before the fall. So before you start shouting blasphemy at me, just, just go with me on this, on this journey. Think of a runner, especially with the Olympics coming up. And a runner can start showing the signs that they're about to stumble. And their arms start going crazy. They're trying to get their rhythm back. And their legs start getting out of rhythm. Now, I'm not going to demonstrate that for y'all. Because that will be an ER visit waiting to happen. And I can only tell you that every time a story starts with, well, what happened was, it never ends well. It's a great sermon topic, but it never ends well. And I can only see me telling them, well, I was teaching on pride. And I fell. Of course, then we'd need to take up a love offering because I couldn't afford that ER visit. So let's, let's just get back to the runner. So their legs start going crazy, their arms start going crazy, their body starts going crazy, and soon they fall. So what do the other runners do? They scatter. They get away because they don't want to be caught in the stumbling and the falling. And when that runner is struggling, everybody lets them fall. You see, when we throw scripture out in the faces of new believers... We become their stumbling block. We help them fall. It's not their pride that kicked their feet out from under them. It's our arrogance that made them fall. We open the door for our pride to step in and cause someone else to fall. It's our pride and it's our boastfulness while misusing scripture that can make someone else fall. And please do me a favor. Please do not do this. And if you ever see me doing this, go Old Testament and smite me. If somebody falls, do not stand over them and go, what was your pride issue? Why'd you fall? If I do that, y'all just smack me in the head. We're supposed to hold each other accountable. And sometimes that means going a little Old Testament with each other. Because we speak truth in love. And that's how we grow. 
And I know there's that scripture, you know, about the telephone pole and your eyeball thing. You know where I'm going with this, right? But let's jump into today's message now that I've set this up. And we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5 through 11. This is the reading of God's Word. Likewise, you are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourself, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God proposes the proud. He opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be of sober mind. That doesn't refer to alcohol. That means clear thinking. Be a sober mind and watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls. Prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith. Know that the same kind of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout this world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore you, confirm you, strengthen you, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. It's the word of God for people of God. Thanks be to God. So let's look at pride just for a moment. Pride occurs 53 times in Scripture. I don't know about you, but I probably battle pride more than once a week. That's pretty fitting for my life. But if we look at pride in different terms, boastful. Boastful can be found in 1 John 2.16. It says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life is not of the Father but the world. Haughtiness. That's a reference back to Mark 7.22. It says, Thieves, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, and foolishness. Mark stepping on some toes here. Puffed up or mindful. 1 Timothy 3.6 says, Not a novice, least being lifted up with pride, he falls in the condemnation of the devil. So what is scripture telling us? Well, actually, that should be our first question every single time we open the Bible. What are you trying to tell me, God? So let's recap 1 Peter 5. And actually, we're looking at verse 1 through 11. So at the end of this, there, this letter that Peter is writing... He's talking about how to maintain unity in the body of believers and how we fight together against the enemy, not separately. Verses 1 through 5, there's actually a job description for the church, for everybody in the church, newcomers, elders, everyone. Christ is a shepherd. The body is the sheep. But, and this is the important part, the elders are the sheepdogs. I know we're in farm country. I know what I'm talking about. We have sheepdogs that are sitting there watching because the wolves are, they're lurking. 
the sheepdogs lovingly, they, they lovingly wrangle the sheep back into obedience. And this is done through example. Not hellfire and brimstone, by walking in examples. And in verse 8, Peter reminds us to be sober-minded because the enemy lurks. The enemy prowls like that roaring lion, but he attacks the young, young believers, the vulnerable, those that have received scripture wrongly, the weak, those that have not received scripture. The enemy isolates those, and he attacks. And he does this. The primary way he does this is by causing confusion within the body. And when there's confusion, there's isolation, there's separation, and it breaks apart, and the body becomes attacked. But we know where two or more gather that God is with us. So when we come together as the body, then God is guiding us. Christ is the shepherd, and the enemy knows better than to tangle. He's already tangled with God once. But the enemy will also turn the sheepdog against the sheep. He'll turn the sheep against the shepherd. And it's in those moments where the confusion and chaos of the world weighs very heavy on us. And I don't know about you, many of y'all have witnessed me sitting right over there where Wanda is sitting now. And I, there's times in service I, I could just cry. I couldn't even do anything else because chaos was so heavy. But I knew that being with the body, I was protected. I might have been sitting by myself, but I was with. I was not isolated. And it was even in those moments where I'd sit over there and I couldn't sing anything, I couldn't say anything, but all I could say is it is going to be well because my God is still in control. It is well with my soul. Whatever God does in my life, it is well. Get behind me, Satan, because you have no hold here. Because I'm with the body. But he distracts us and he attacks us. So Peter watched the body of believers become fragmented during the time of the crucifixion of Christ and afterward. He watched them. They all fell apart. They all went back to the previous. So Peter is encouraging the church to stay unified, stay with the body. As believers, we need to make a solid application of Scripture. We do not need to twist Scripture. We do not need to add our motive on the end. As believers, we need to apply Scripture or we fail. It's really that simple. Apply it or we fall. I've had the Holy Spirit kick my feet out from under me several times. Let me tell you something. I've had those bruises, and I've learned from those bruises. But Peter is presenting... A, a picture that goes along with age, age of the church. And it's not necessarily a number, but it's age that brings maturity, that brings wisdom, and that's through service. See, we're, we're here to serve, not be served. Amen. And I'm speaking as a universal church here. Yes. I said last week that we've, uh, we've watched a lot of our warriors turn to watchers, pew sitters. And we need warriors to rise up again because the battle is raging. Yes. We are all charged to serve, and that's to serve the next generation. Because if we're not serving, we are sitting at a table that Jesus is flipping. Yes. 
I don't want to sit at that table. I have sat at that table and I do not want to sit at that table anymore. I do not want to be lukewarm. I want to be so on fire. That joking of, you know, somebody would touch you and go, ooh, you're hot. I want to be that on fire for God in everything I do, but not have to speak a single word. Walking by example. So Matthew 6, 23 says, But if your eye's bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And if the light in you is dark, then how great is the darkness? So in other words, if we're content to allow the darkness, like pride or unforgiveness, into our lives, then we are dabbling in darkness. We're playing with the devil. And if we're not being fought by the devil, we are holding hands with him. If the pride and unforgiveness brings a little bit of darkness, eventually the light will go out. How much deeper can the darkness get? And that is a scary question. See, this is the, the prime example of how the enemy tries to steal our light. He doesn't just come in and blow the candle out. He can't blow the candle out. But he will distract us and slowly pull us away. Matthew seven fifteen says, Beware of false prophets who come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. Sheep dogs, where are you? We need some guards at the door. We need some people walking through here before service praying. We need some people touching the post and limb of the doors praying that the enemy can't cross that threshold. We need to get up every time we fall because there's somebody watching to see how we get up. And that's what gives them hope to keep getting up themselves. Matthew 3, 8 John the baptizer said, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Matthew 12, 33 says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or the tree will be bad and the fruit will be bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You know, in other words, when you leave this earth, the only thing you leave behind is your name and how you are known. That's your fruit. What kind of fruit did you produce? But there will be a time for gathering all the fruit. Matthew 13, 41 through 43 is the parable of the weeds. You see, they didn't pluck the weeds out because the roots would intertangle and they would pull the good with the bad. So at the end, they gathered all and then separated. That's coming, my friend. It is coming. And we will be judged by our fruit. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, the seasons of chaos and the storms are inevitable in our lives. But Lord, those seasons can also leave us in darkness, leave us hurting, leave us holding on to our unforgiveness and walking in our pride. Lord, we've, we've experienced the damage to our hearts firsthand. We know the aches of destruction and the devastation at the hands of the enemy. He wants to turn our beauty into sorrow and eventually into ashes. 
He wants to draw us out of your light and into the darkness. He wants to make us run from repentance, your mercy, your grace, your forgiveness by telling us we're unworthy and we're unlovable. Lord, we ask today that your healing hand touch those wounds, heal our hearts, restore the light in our lives. Because, Lord, the darkness can sneak in, but light pierces the darkness. We ask that your light pierce the dark areas in our life where the fruit is bad. We ask that you prune those areas of our lives so that we produce good fruit. Grow us into the sheepdogs that you need each of us to be so that as you bring new sheep, we can walk with them through this journey and not cause more harm to them. We ask all things in the precious and holy name of your Son. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Shan. Let's close our service today by standing.